So when we were talking about this month and we were calling it Momentum, Momentum May, we just seemed like after Easter, we needed to celebrate so many of the good things that are happening, that we're experiencing growth, we're able to get together again, some of the activities that we haven't been able to do for a long time, we're doing them, activities that we always wanted to do and never got to do, we're starting to do that and there's so many new things. So the month started coming together, there's a baby blessing on May 1st, Mother's Day on May 8th, that's an easy one, but you can you know, use that also as an opportunity. May 22nd is our 7th grader Sunday, that'll be next Sunday, and uh, if you haven't seen the video yet about what Wagey is all about, you need to take a look at that, we showed that last week, oh, that's a day where we celebrate promotion within kid men and so many other things, and then finally it wraps up with Memorial Day, and Memorial Day is a good time for us to be reflective and to be thoughtful and to think about what that means as Americans, but also think about what that means as uh, the church. Dina made this great poster that's out there in the, in the lobby, and she showed me the proof of it, May 1, May 8, May 22, May 30. Just doesn't seem right to leave May 15 out. Well, we talked about kind of having a day where we acknowledge leadership, and maybe we have some prayers, because as we're thinking about all the things that we used to do, like the Lord's Supper, you know, we, we, we realize that the Lord's Supper has changed after this pandemic pause that we're calling it. And yeah, we do it a little differently now, but we've gained some things. One of the things, uh, some of you may remember, there used to be a time when we had you know, shepherds that would come up here, we would have prayers. We used to talk about a place called Room 100. Uh, I'd, how many of you have no idea what I'm talking about when I say Room 100? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm seeing some hands like, well, what's he talking about? That's okay. We're not going to use that terminology anymore because those numbers don't make sense anymore. But we used to have these habits, and we thought, well, we need to revive some of that. So, yeah, let's use this as a day to talk about leadership. Last summer, Larry Todd, one of our shepherds, actually uh, took the opportunity during a June service to uh, share who the shepherds were. And I think we had another little pandemic pause in between then and now, and, and, and here we are again. So, <clears throat> those were the things that we knew going into this, and it just seemed like to fill in May 15, it's like, let's call it Leadership Day. We didn't mean to uh, excite anybody and make you think that there was some sort of, uh, you know, spiritual coup about to happen or anything like that. Those are the things that we knew. We knew we wanted to introduce uh, shepherds and other leaders. We knew that we wanted to encourage leadership and get you thinking about that. That's a sign of growth. We knew that we wanted to re-examine and reaffirm what the shepherd's ministry of prayer is all about and what it means for them and for you. What I did not know is that we would today would be during a period of grief and that tomorrow we'll be um, celebrating Ron's life. But in some ways, I imagine that he would tell me, well, use this, Benjamin. Use this as an opportunity to teach the congregation to encourage. And I shall endeavor to do so. The lesson I always wanted to look at, and again, it ties into what we've learned about leadership here in the West Ark family for now at least 
14, 15 years, maybe longer than that, but I can prove to you that we've known this lesson for at least 15 years. I'll show you here in just a moment. And it's the lesson that comes from John 13, and it involves Jesus, it involves Peter and Judas, and at least 24 dirty feet. And Jesus teaches us one of the most important lessons we can read on leadership. Pray with me. Father, I ask that you would bless me as I strive to teach this lesson in an effective way. A way that makes Jesus' teaching alive to us. That your spirit will be with me. And that your spirit will be with all of us as listeners. And that we will hear the words of Jesus asking us if we understand what he has done for us. And then we'll have the courage to put that into practice. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In John 13, we read that it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for Him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power and that He had come from God and was returning to God. i I got to stop right there. Did you catch that? Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power and that He had come from God and was returning to God. Another way to express that in the ancient world is the Father had put things all under His feet. And because of that, He gets up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter. You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not every one of them was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, he returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know to do these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And that's the teaching of Jesus. You know, it's a dirty job, as the saying goes. Foot washing. It gets, foot washing gets so cleaned up in the ceremonial versions of it that you see these days, I think the Pope washes feet 
I think you have other foot washing ceremonies. Of course, you know, I mean, people, if they know, you know, hey, the Pope's going to wash your feet. Oh, I need to go get a pedicure. You know, you go out and you get all spruced up and everything. Yeah, you know, but I, I don't know. I mean, you don't want some old toenail fungus there or something like that. You know, you got to pretty all this up. It's got to be got to be a little decent. It's embarrassing, you know. Foot washing for this occasion is like scraping mud off your shoes, okay? It's just got to be done. It's just an ugly task that somebody has to do. Somebody in the restaurant business has to clean the toilets. It's a dirty job. Somebody's got to do it. There's always these dirty jobs. Mike Rowe has taught us all about dirty jobs now. And it's really fun when he gets to kind of jump in and do it, but then we realize somebody's always doing that stuff. It's a dirty job. Somebody has to do it, but most of us would like to say, I'm glad it's not me. And when Jesus gets his disciples together for the Passover feast, now, they're going to be reclining, right? So you don't want dirt, cake, smelly feet up in your face while you're reclining there trying to eat the Passover meal. We need to, you know, you wash your hands, you also wash your feet because you walk everywhere in their world. It's just a dirty thing that has to be done. Well, who's going to do it? Well, get the servant. Where's the person that takes care of this? It's Jesus. You see that? He knew that all authority had been given to him, and because he knew that, he could lower himself. Like Paul says in Philippians 2, he humbled himself, taking the form of a servant. This is why Peter protests and says, you shouldn't be doing that. Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. You're the rabbi, you're the teacher, you're the master. Somebody else needs to be doing that. Let's get Bartholomew to do it. He doesn't ever do anything. When's the last time you heard a Bartholomew story? You shouldn't be doing this. Peter might even be willing to say, I'd do it before you do it. Jesus says, you're going to miss the lesson. You're going to miss the lesson because you're just going to be worried about who's humbling themselves to clean up everybody's feet and to have dirt all over the towel that he's wearing around his waist. Because just like them, we, or they, just like us, live in a world of class and rank. It means a lot to us, maybe more than we realize. How many times have you caught yourself saying, whose job is this? How, how many times have you caught yourself saying, I, you know, somebody ought to be doing this, but I don't think it's me. Sometimes that's just us setting boundaries. That's fine. Sometimes... It's us thinking, I don't want to do that. But too much of our thinking about leadership is too often tied into position, status, rank, power, and authority. And, and now that we have a true middle class, we like to act like, well, those people who have all the power, they ought to be doing more. No one wants to admit that we talk about those people down there who can take care of it. No, we want, we want to say, oh, thank you, worker. You remember d during the, the pandemic pause when it all got started, we, we, we all said, let's, let's give thanks to our essential workers. And we often meant the people who do the dirty jobs or the menial jobs. My only question is, if they're all the essential workers, what does that do to the rest of us? And if we're non-essential, then why are we still doing anything? 
The difference between serving and a servant is that a servant doesn't really have a choice. It's just who they are. It's what they do. Anybody can serve. Get ready, gang. Are you already tired of the election flyers in your mailbox? I'm already getting sick of this. I'm, just, I'm at the point where I'm just like, you know, I'm saying, I wonder what colors they're going to use. How many creative uses of red and blue can I see today? I would, I would vote for someone if you just use green, okay? If somebody, if some, I will really vote for somebody if they get orange worked into it, just because I think that's a creative person. But man, red and blue, I am just tired of red and blue. And, uh, and, and you know, but everybody, you're going to see service opportunities, you know. Going to get somebody wearing a suit. They're going to have their sleeves rolled up. They're going to be out there. You know, they're going to be out there serving. And you know, hey, that's good. And it is good. I really, I don't want to put that down. It is good. But you know, that's not the everyday job. It's a symbol of serving. But that's not the same kind of servant. Now, I do think that leadership in politics is a type of service. And I think that you can be. I think anybody in any job can be a servant. If I come up here and I use preaching and I use teaching as a way to raise my profile and send my stock up so that all those books that I've written (laughs) uh, get sold, then um, I haven't written any books. Anyway, if, if I do that, then I'm not a servant in this role. But if my goal is to help you live a better life to help you grow spiritually, then that is a servant approach to this. And it's what I strive to do. Whether, how, no matter how well I do it. But I think we've got to give people, you know, hey, you're, you're doing something and that's good. And I think we can all do that. But if it's all about the class and the rank and the title, then we're going to miss out on what the mission is. One of my favorite stories in this, and it's a story that taught me not to play into this too much. When, whenever I'm always asked, well, what's your title? And I'm so tempted. Y'all need to pray for me. I'm so tempted because I want to tell people, you know, my title is, uh, you know, the most high exalted potentate of the, uh, you know, glorious. Uh, and I, I always want to just come up with something crazy like that that's meaningless. But that's bad and childish and immature, and I've grown up a little bit. Sometimes I'll tell people, my title's doctor. I bought it at a store. You can use it. It doesn't mean, you know, it's fine. One of my friends in Texas, a guy called Colonel Taylor, he fought in World War II in the 10th Mountain Division, and he was showing me the pictures of his his group and the things that they did. I mean, you talk about dirty jobs. They had to climb a hill in Italy once to take out a German gun embankment. It took them all night, and every time they pulled a rock out of the side of the cliff, you don't just drop it. You've got to put it in your pack and carry it with you the rest of the way because if they make any sound, the enemy's going to know where they're at. He's showing me pictures from about that time period, and I know from his stories that he was a sergeant at that time. And I said, hey, you're a sergeant in here, right? This is about that time that you had... Because I know he started out, you know, he's an Oklahoma kid and he, he ends up a private and then he just runs through the ranks all the way to colonel. I said, this is your sergeant years. Uh-huh. Well, where are your stripes? He says, I'm not going to wear my stripes. He goes, then the Germans would know who to shoot. 
He said, anybody that needed to know I was a sergeant, they knew it. That's a servant. He's just doing his job, serving his people, serving his country, serving the mission. It's a dirty job. Somebody has to do it. It might be me. Because life is messy. And it's not just those foot-washing jobs that have to be done. Servant leaders can set aside pride and take up the towel just like Jesus did. See, Peter refuses on that part. Uh, this is not the protocol. This is not how we're supposed to do it, Jesus. You're supposed to you know, have the finely pressed shirt and you know, somebody else take care of this. Judas betrays him and says, you're not the kind of leader that I expected. Jesus just does the dirty job because life is messy. You know, this week also we lost uh, a man who, who was one of my professors, uh, Lynn Anderson. Lynn's been a leader in the church for generations and uh, has done a lot of good and taught so many of us, uh, many people in this room even. And he wrote a book about leadership in the church and it's called They Smell Like Sheep. You know, that book's still available. It's a good resource on shepherding and leadership. Here's the thing, you see the cute little pictures of the sheep, you know, and they're all fluffy and, you know, bah, you know, and they're sitting out there in a field with, with daisies and everything. Sheep stink. They don't smell good at all. And it's a different kind of stink. It's not like dog stink. Dogs, dogs stink. They do to me at least. I know, y'all love dogs, and that's okay, I like dogs too. Every dog I've ever met smells like burnt Fritos. I don't know what it is. There is a unique dog stink of burnt Frito. Even after you've cleaned that dog, maybe there's something in the shampoo. I don't know. But sheep, they smell like other stuff. Mm -hmm. Not burnt Frito. And the point is, when you're out there taking care of those sheep, you pick up the sheep smell. We had cows. They stink too. And sometimes you pick up the cow stink. And there are not even any cows around and you pick up the cow stink. And that's a way of saying, I think shepherd's a good image because life is messy. And if we think that leading in the church, serving in the church, being a church family means that we all clean up well and that's fine, great. But you're going to get disappointed. We do clean up well. And that's okay. But we have to realize, too, that as clean as we are, messes happen. And because life is messy, we need fearless care. When you take care of people, when you take care of people who can't take care of themselves, you run into these kind of messes. And that's why Jesus washes the feet, because He wants them to learn, do you understand what I have done for you? Debbie brought me this this morning. This is what we gave Ron on, um, and I've got it right here, as I told you, March 4th, 2007. That's the first group of elders that I remember seeing come in as new elders here at this church. Larry Todd, Russ McConnell, Jim Wilson, Ron Below. And the, and the elders who were elders at the time, wanted to give these four men a towel. That's what's the background of all this, a towel. And it says on here, 
Jesus asked them, do you understand what I have done for you? John 13. The towel became the symbol. You know, it made a lot more sense than a shepherd's hook, you know. But, um, and Debbie, did you put this in the frame for him? Was that you? I don't know if Ron ever told you this, but when the next group of elders came in, Ron was the one that said, hey, it makes a great golf towel. So, I got to look on here and see if he put a grommet and a hook on it somewhere. But, but he, he kept this, and, and they had this because they were servants. And I, and I want you to know something about Ron. Ron. Ron was a servant, and he was a leader long before he was a shepherd. I mean, that right there shows me it was 15 years. But he had been a, shepherd, he had been a servant longer than 15 years before that. And that's why he became a shepherd. So when I'm teaching this lesson, I don't want you thinking, well, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a shepherd. I'm not ever going to be a shepherd. I'm not an elder. I'm not ever going to be an elder. So, you know, okay, I hope those guys are getting it. No, I'm looking at all of you. Because in this family, you are all leaders. Because you are all servants. We had a leaders meeting in Celebrate Recovery Friday night. And one of the things that Larry Roper said there, which I'm going to borrow here right now, is he said in Celebrate Recovery, a leader is anybody with a job or a duty. That's a good way to look at it. You see, as, as, a, as a servant, some of you will eventually be recognized as shepherds or deacons, maybe ministers, maybe missionaries. I don't know. Some of you will continue in that role and maybe go to other roles, and we don't even have names and titles for you. Don't worry. Because like my friend Colonel Taylor said, that just tells the enemy who to shoot. But just serve, and you are a leader. Jesus said, do you understand this? Three things. Do as I have done for you. That tells me what to be doing. That when I wonder, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing in the church? I should be doing what Jesus did that night that He was betrayed. I should be finding a way to take care of the work that needs to be done to serve others. That's my role of leadership. That's what I need to think of. It's what you need to think of. None of us outranks Jesus. Oh yeah, we want to start playing those games, flashing badges, talking about who's in charge. Whether we're wanting to pin the blame on those who are in charge or we're wanting to act like we're those in charge. Just know this, it gets pretty awkward when Jesus shows up and says, mm, I'm sorry, I thought this was my church. My name is on it. Anybody else got their name on it? T goes dropping off and a dope like me raises his hands and says, sometimes, uh, uh, Benjamin, I'm like, yes, sir. I know better than that. This is his church. No one outranks him. Church leadership, church government is very simple. There's Jesus, the monarch, and then there's us, the flock. And we're all leading one another in some way as we go along. If we know these things, then we're blessed if we do them. Knowing that Jesus outranks me puts me in my place. Whether that means that I need to realize that my authority comes from Jesus, or whether that means I need to realize that I must humble myself before Him and the children that He loves. It puts me in my place. It puts you in your place. Knowing these things and doing them generates gratitude. So that when we serve, we are grateful. All of you need to be leaders like Jesus. And some of you will 
be titled and some not, but you will all be grateful. And you will all be more and more like Jesus. As we come around the Lord's Supper table, one of the things we need to remember is that this is a, this is a thing that Jesus gives us and He wants us in this to serve one another. This communion, this Lord's Supper was never really meant to be taken alone. Now, I know sometimes we find ourselves in that position. During the pandemic pause, we certainly did. But even then, we strove to make it an experience that we experience together. And it's because Jesus washes those feet on a night when they were all gathered together for a meal, and He even washes the feet of the one who betrayed Him. Because service doesn't ask, are you worthy of my service? Service does what Jesus did, period. Let's keep that in mind as we move towards the Lord's Supper table this morning.